and welcome to Mosh Pet. I'm Ellie Kumar and today I'm joined by Nathan, one third of Newcastle's own 1080 Trees. I play guitar and I sing. Chief songwriter, I think the other two lads wouldn't mind me saying that. What more else is to say? We put some riffs together, we put some nice melodies together and we make some 1080 music. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, can you start off, tell us a little bit about the name. What's that about? I think it was 20, 2015 or 2016 Glastonbury Festival. Me and a friend of mine were there and he'd maybe took something he shouldn't. Was, uh, yeah, a bit spaced out, shall we say. Like at one point I went up to him, I was like, yeah, are you all right, mate? You know, do you need anything? And he was like, yeah, I'm grand. Yeah, really good. I'm seeing isosceles grass and 1080 trees. And he pointed at the grass and pointed at the trees. And when he said 1080 trees, I was like, wow. Well, that's a band name right there. And uh, Isosceles Grass is up for use if anyone wants to use that. I'd, I'd regularly check Spotify to see if anyone's taken that off my hands yet and I haven't. So, yeah, that's, that's fair game if anyone wants it. So it's still out there? Still out there. Wanna, would, you, yeah, yeah. would you require a credit? Would you require royalties? If um... yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> you know, I would keep our band going, definitely, if they got bigger than we were. Yeah, yeah it would be nice to get a little bit of credit somewhere. <laughs> No, amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, tell us a bit about the band. Who who the rest of the band are and, and how you got together. So so the band actually formed maybe about a year or two after after the, the, the name incident, uh, shall we call it. I went to university uh, at the Sage in Gateshead, uh, did my undergraduate degree there, and I met a couple of, couple of lads there who played music. I was already in a band at this point, so I wasn't looking to to make another another band but that kind of fizzled out some of the lads there I'd had like five or six songs kicking around um, and I really wanted to kind of get something new off the ground so I knew Michael was a year or two below me uh, on the same degree course and he became the drummer of 1080 Trees Michael Mather so I, I knew him I went up to him and I was like got these songs do you want to jam them sometimes so we would get in a practice space without a bass player and just jam through some of these songs. And they came together quite quickly. And I was like, do you know any bass players? And I think I think it was Lewis, who was now the bass player in 1080 Trees, was the year below Michael. And Michael was actually playing the, the music, because I had like some demos. He was playing the demos to somebody else. And Lewis overheard and went, oh, I want a bit of that. And it just clicked really, really quickly. We all kind of sat in a really nice groove together. I was like, oh, wow, this, is, this, could, this could be something. And I think, what is it, six years later? I think, I think you could definitely say it is something now, yeah. You're all friends now. <laughs> definitely friends now, yeah. <laughs> the lad he was playing the music too still comes to our shows, which is a good sign, you know. I haven't asked him whether he's gutted he didn't join the band or not uh, to this day, but uh, maybe that's a question for the future. Maybe he will be the one to form Isosceles Grass. Maybe, yeah. So Stephen Hall, if you're listening, <laughs> we, need, we need Isosceles Grass off the ground ASAP. You can do yeah. a little co-headline tour. How, how good would that be? be? Yeah, great. yeah. We'd have to give a free ticket to the person who came up with both band names, I think. <laughs> yeah, to the whole tour. What kind of music do you, do you make? Do you play? I mean, and It's a proper cop-out, but I feel like... Would you say alternative rock? Oh, I hate saying that because it's like, that is so varied because alternative rock to me can be anything from Biffy Clyro to The Smiths and like everything in between. It's it's so varied, but I think... It gives you a lot to work with, though. It does, it does give you a lot to work with. I feel like we do dabble in a few different sounds and textures here and there in our music. It's not just like rock. But yeah, we definitely lean more towards the, the, the hard rock slightly metal 
side of alternative rock i think big grunge yeah perhaps yeah but definitely uh, see this is i'm, I'm get, it's getting really convoluted now the more i try and describe the genre because it's like i was about to say there it's like a polished grunge but that totally defeats the object like of grunge of oxymoron, isn't yeah it, it is <laughs> yeah a, a hot, hard alternative rock oh, difficult isn't it yeah i mean maybe can you give us some like some of your influences, maybe that. Okay. One, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for me personally, and I'll I'll try and remember what the other lads like as well. It's too, it's, it's my band. I'm here. They don't get a say. <laughs> oh god, it's difficult to be trying to be a democracy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so for me personally, I grew up loving like Foo Fighters and Green Day and uh, Biffy Clyro. So I'd say them are like the big three for me because it's just like really good songs couple of riffs here and there a really energetic and enjoyable live show as well i think that's definitely an influence like i always i'm always thinking about how is this going to go down live i think that's one of the biggest things for me that and just having like a really like solid chorus maybe on a song you know you want people to go away remembering it at the end of the day for me um so i think those three quite big bands for me growing up and i haven't really escaped that since which is fine you I know? mean that's fair I mean yeah. I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to sort of like speculate on how old you are but I feel like we're probably around the same yeah I mean I've, I've listened to a lot of your podcast right and I'm not trying to fanboy <laughs> here or anything but like I've, I've listened to the Green Day episode yeah yeah I've listened to the punk rock episode and like yeah so I feel like yeah there's probably a lot of crossover there yeah you don't escape them sometimes do you no like I mean I will still if uh, if my chemical romance comes on in the car I will still turn it up and sing along absolutely yeah but I probably wouldn't necessarily say that I, I mean I think I guess like Foo Fighters it's not quite seen as like a guilty pleasure it's just more I don't know like, is it retro now oh god Green the, Day Dad Foo Rock Fighters. yeah we we do joke that we're dad rock like a lot of the time like we say like all the dads come and see 1080 trees and they love it because like like all of our dads in the like in the band absolutely love what we do and like don't get us right my mom really likes what we do but she's she's got a favorite song so my dad's just like yes and lewis's dad's like yes and michael's dad especially absolutely loves us I think we've joked about, like, our first album's going to be called, like, Music for Dads. No, know? I think that works. That's Does, like... yeah, yeah. A little bit tongue-in-cheek, you know. Know your target audience. Know your target audience, yeah. yeah. A lot of bands don't know that. Like, what else would we need to target in that case? Like, where do dads, where do dads congregate? Or do dads congregate at all? B&Q. So we need to target the playlist in B&Q. Yeah. Home base. We're basically just going for like DIY, DIY gardening, garden, sh- garden and stores, yeah, garden centres. Yeah. Although we we might tick off the nanas and granddads a bit there. Well, I mean, bit. you never know. Like, I've literally just been to see my nana before, and I was telling her about the gig last night, and she was like, "It's not for me, but I love what you do, and I love how much effort you put into it." I'm like, "Oh, nana." So what about the the other guys in the band? What about what their influences? Influences. Oh, you see, if we had Michael here, he'd be like, jazz, and I'd be like be quiet <laughs> but no he, he, Michael does so much stuff he's definitely the biggest musician in the band Michael I would say I've been in other bands before whilst I've been in 1080 Trees and I've done like covers bands and stuff Lewis is in covers bands as well like just to get a bit extra coin and that and he does just really enjoy it because he plays in a group a, a band with a really nice group of lads uh, but Michael does like bluegrass and jazz and soul and else do you do like like psychedelic stuff and uh, all sorts i do worry sometimes he, like if he's gonna get back and just not be hitting the drums hard enough anymore but he always slays it he's always good he always comes back in tip-top shape 
I think Michael would, I wouldn't want to speculate on his influences, but they'd probably be in those kind of genres a little bit. But he also, again, loves like Biffy Clyro and Enid Shikari uh, and, and Royal Blood, bands like that. Just the, the big the big riffers, I think, as well. Lewis is the very more straight down the line, hard rock kind of guy, which is great because he gets up on stage, puts his bass on, and you know you're going to get just a solid show out of him because it, it, he's just no messing around. Big tone. He's doing something big and nasty sounding all the time. And that's just what he does. He knows what he's good at and he does it really, really well. But he's got me into a few bands. Like, he got me into Thrice. We would drive to do shows and stuff together because I didn't have a license for a bit, but he did, so. And we'd always have to be everywhere is to be nowhere. Yeah. Really, really, like... You've done an episode on um, just, like, start to finish good albums, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of them for me. Yeah. Yeah, so would that be your pick for, like, a perfect album all the way through? One of my picks for a perfect album. Yeah, like, Hurricane, Blood on the Sand, The Window, Wake Up. It's all really, really good. Black Honey, brilliant. 41 minutes. Black Honey, I remember Black Honey. It's, It's, like, a perfect length as well. I feel like... Half an hour is too short. 40 minutes is like the sweet spot yeah. for an album. Yeah, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Unbelievable. I think for Lewis, Thrice, uh, he likes Royal Blood as well. He, he went to see them at the City Hall recently. He said they were really, really good. Again, I feel like I feel like the band which kind of we all agree on, which we wouldn't skip if, it, if we were all in the car and it came on, it's probably Biffy, Biffy Clyro. Yeah, you need yeah. like a core. I think of, Biffy are um, our band, yeah. Because me and Michael like Foo Fighters and, and Lewis doesn't mind them. But Lewis once said to me, I, I kind of feel like Foo Fighters Verge on being a bit nickelbacky. And I'd see where he's coming from. I don't get us wrong. But at the same time, like that cut me to my soul. Like, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go maybe that far. Ellie, are we gonna fall out right now? <laughs> <laughs> I I like Foo Fighters a lot. Yeah. And I've seen them mainly at festival. I don't think I've ever seen them like at their own gig, but mm-hmm. they've always headlined when I've seen them so it's always been like a big show yeah. and they are brilliant live mm-hmm. Dave Grohl is amazing because I love Nirvana same I do like Foo Fighters but it, in the same way as it's it's a bit dad rock super dad rock that's fine and I mean like be I, your dad yeah, it's I like okay. old bands yeah like my favourite band is Sabaton who are, I was going to say I need to talk to you about Sabaton it's only old yeah. men that, yeah. that like Sabaton <laughs> so I get that but yeah, I I can see why people feel like maybe Foo Fighters are not as not as trendy, not as cool. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think that actually works in their favour by not being cool. I, I would hate to meet them though because I would just be like super starstruck and I would, wouldn't know what to say. I'd just be like, I love you. I once had a dream that I met Dave Grohl <laughs> and he was really nice. Yeah. But we were trying to take a photo and every time my camera didn't work and I was following him around this like event mm. it was like a conference room you know in like dreams when it's yeah, yeah, yeah it was like yeah. a conference center and me and my friend were like there he is right and he was every time we went up and said can we get another photo he was lovely yeah but in my in my dream i was so embarrassed and, yeah. I, and I woke up going oh my god oh my god this is the worst day of my life what have i done what have i done i've, I've embarrassed actually, myself actually like worse than being like in a dream where you're in a public space naked yeah yeah I, 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 would, I think I yeah. would find that more embarrassing as well yeah and also I kind of I don't know why I think this but I feel like he might have a short fuse do you think? I think he might have a secret short fuse yeah, yeah yeah he keeps it hidden but yeah Lewis you're wrong they're not like Nickelback <laughs> yeah for the record absolutely would not go that far <laughs> although saying that you know Nickelback yeah. have some uh, some catchy tunes well again 
I know that you think this. I I don't mind Nickelback. They do have some slightly offensive songs, but yeah. I also think they're super inoffensive. They're like the Coldplay of the hard rock world. Yeah. And I don't mind Coldplay. People give them such a rough time. Yeah, I don't mind Coldplay. Don't mind Nickelback. They can both stay. Yeah. That's going to be the clip I'm going to take out as the... Uh... <laughs> The headline grab I don't mind Coldplay, I don't mind Nickelback, yeah. <laughs> I'm very indifferent. It's fine. I think this is where the dad rock element comes in, because yeah, you're to really, 1083. Yeah, you're really embodying the it's just nice, they're just having a nice time. Yeah. It doesn't bother yeah, yeah. me, it's fine. What why is this so offensive to you? Yeah. You know, just get on with your life. Obviously, I know you are so based down in Sheffield at the moment, but <laughs> the band is from Newcastle. All Geordies. Yeah. Geordie boys. Well, so what's it like? What's it been like for you, kind of getting started in the northeast mm-hmm. and getting your foot in the door in the scene here? You know, that's a really good question because it's been very gradual, which is fine. Don't mind that. I think it's better that way. So whenever we've got a gig, we always make sure there's another one in the pipeline somewhere, like down the road, so we know that we can promote the next one at the gig we've just done. Having quite a distinct look, I think, has helped as well. Because like I've been in bands in the past where like I've had my look, but then everyone else in the bands had maybe a different look as well. But with this one, I think for the first couple of years, we did that classic "just wear black on stage" uh, thing um, that a lot of bands do. Uh, and then I think it was like the turn of and no, it was before it was just before the pandemic. We were like, we need a bit more of an image. I think that'll sort of people will all cotton on to it a bit more. Um, so we went with turquoise blue. yeah. And for, for those listening at home, I am wearing a turquoise blue flame shirt right now. I mean, now. yeah, I was going to say, obviously, yeah, no one can see what you're wearing, but it yeah. is a classic shirt. <laughs> like, it is great. It's very uh, school disco vibes. Yeah, I'm oh, sure... I was going to say, like, sort of 2000s, like, skater... Yeah, I'm, I'm not wearing the right jeans, though, am I? I need to have them ones that are, like, out The yet. really big... What are the ones? The um, juggalo jeans or something i mean like, i was gonna say like parachute pants but yeah like, them yeah that, i need parachute yeah, pants yeah with a big chain like attached with your wallet attached yeah. on a chain i think i would literally just look like a like a, like a cone if i did that though <laughs> like you know being being my stature uh with my hair kind of coming down like in a triangle kind of yeah i'll just be like yeah it looks like a traffic cone yeah the blue one blue traffic cone turquoise blue it's a great color though well yeah i, I love it yeah it's a, it's a very mysterious looking color i think and not a lot of not a lot of people wear turquoise blue and pull it off we'd kind of had our own little bits of clubber that we'd wear at gigs like i think lewis would wear like a blue shirt michael had like a blue t-shirt i would wear a blue uh, t- I went on like a mission one year where I just bought loads of turquoise blue football kits. So I've got like some proper weird teams. So not any, like not a specific team? No. Just, oh, that one's turquoise, right? We'll yeah, that. yeah. Like there's a, there's a shop in Manchester called Classic Football Shirts um, and they rip your eyeballs out like price-wise. It's disgusting some of the prices on some of their shirts. Don't worry, I'm not looking for an endorsement. <laughs> um... So, I mean, I, I think I got a, a Freiburg FC one from there for about 20 quid. It's not even their home kit. It's like their third kit that they would wear if everything clashes bar this. After lockdown, I was a bit like, I want us to look a bit more like a gang. A bit more like all of us just wear the same thing. We get on stage and everyone's just like, whoa, this is, this is a bit out there. What I did was I got three white boiler suits from Dickies and... I bought like a, like a tub of turquoise dye 
and I just chucked them all in the washing machine with this dye. When they came out and they were so, so bright turquoise, <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, and then I remember taking them to the lads and just going, this is our new image. And they were just like, this is sick. This is so good. Kind of way to do this. At least that's how I remember it. They'd probably tell me, we did not like we this hated at all. It. We hated and it. Just yeah. like, You've got to wear these. Like, don't get. I don't know how Slipknot do it, you know, because have you ever wore a boiler suit? Yeah. They are. They're hot. They are the definition of boiler. Also, yeah. for girls, it's a fucking nightmare. Um, yeah, like, I can imagine. This, yeah. this is why I don't. Like, you don't see many girl bands in boiler suits. <laughs> we found it very difficult wearing them on stage in the past. We, we always seem to bring them back now and again. I think it's when it gets like autumn time and it's like, oh, it's a bit nippy. <laughs> Not thinking it's going to be boiling in the venues. Yeah. Like, we brought it back a couple of times around the boiler suits. Because I feel like, because it was, like, the first image that we had, we've always kind of, like, felt like we can bring it back. And people were like, yeah, the boiler suits are back. Um, which has happened a few times, yeah. People have been buzzing when we um, came on stage again in the boiler suits. But we're three very, very hairy rock dudes. So we're wearing, like, thermals already before we even put the boiler suit on. So, and like, how like does the movement work as well? Because I mean, if the, like, you know, they move around. They're not that bad, like restriction yeah. wise. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. The, the, I feel like yeah, we've got to watch what we eat around the time that we're gonna <laughs> eat, like wear the boiler suits because we've had them since like twenty twenty one. So we've had two years of bring of phasing them in and out, in and out. There's been times where I've been like, oof, I need to really watch what I eat if I'm planning on wearing this in a month's time. For the most part, like, they're not that bad, restriction-wise. I mean, you see Slipknot doing their stuff. I mean, I mean they've probably got, like, tailor-made ones with a little bit of stretchiness in the legs and things like that. Ours are just, like, straight-up work boiler <laughs> suits. No ventilation or anything, uh, so it gets very, very hot in them. But going back to your question, I feel like I've went on a right tangent there. That kind of stuff's really helped us kind of like build a build a fan base, I think, and build a community. Maybe it's something about Newcastle or the Northeast and the kind of people who are here and, and listen to kind of alternative music, but mm-hmm. it is a real community. Gang mentality definitely up here. Yeah, it's great. Maybe because there's so few venues and especially mm-hmm. when it's when you have things like so we've talked about this before about how touring bands don't often come to Newcastle. Ooh, you see, I take... I'm not sure about that, you know, as someone who lives in Sheffield now. Newcastle gets it pretty good. Yeah, yeah we get more than Sheffield does. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> I find myself coming back up to Newcastle at sea gigs a lot of the time because Sheffield gets missed out a lot. Sheffield Arena is worse than the, the yeah, Metro Sheff- Radio, whatever it's called now, the yeah. utility. Sheffield Arena's worse. Yeah. And it's not because Sheffield the Arena, venue's no. bad. It's because it's miles away from the city centre. Went to see Pulp there the other week. And, like, it's been a long time since I've been at the arena. And getting back was just... I think we spent with £35 on a taxi. Yeah, mental. Yeah. Wow. It's so far... It's practically in Rotherham. Yeah. Like, yeah. For anyone with geography, that's, that's a, quite that's a far. a South Yorkshire joke there. Yeah. It's practically a Rotherham. Yeah. That was an awful South Yorkshire accent, <laughs> that. Yeah. I agree to some extent. I think the venue side of thing in Newcastle lets it down a little bit. I think it needs a new arena. There's a lack of, like, mid-sized venues. Yeah. Yeah. I think, do you know what Newcastle's missing, which Sunderland has? An independent. Yeah. Independent is one of my favourite venues in the North East. Like, hands down, I think it's an absolutely brilliant venue run by fantastic people. That size venue is what Newcastle's potentially missing. The kind of venue that 
I could have put on like a Holden Absence like a few years back because they, they put them on and I was quite surprised that they played there but packed it out but I don't know where like that size alternative band would play in Newcastle now yeah I mean I agree I, yeah, yeah. I have that, 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 was, that, that was the sound of agreement was, yeah <laughs> the problem yeah. when we all agree on everything I know yeah yeah <laughs> You can be indifferent and you can agree. Yeah, it's nice when yeah. this happens, yeah. <laughs> I won't name them, but there's venues that I really, really don't like in in Newcastle especially. There's there's so many factors. It's like the loading for bands is terrible or the shape of the room is terrible or they just haven't put any thought into like the sound in the room at all. And I think that's where Independent and Sunderland kind of has its own kind of like ground if it's you like. been really well designed well yeah absolutely yeah it's been really well put together there was a period where it wasn't that great but they've put a lot of money into it i think in the past maybe 10 years because well, i'm showing my age here yeah i've played i played there over 10 years ago <laughs> but they've put a lot of money into it in like the sound system and just the overall layout of the venue it's class such a good venue up the macrams never thought i'd say that (laughs) (laughs) oh yes i might delete that i'm not gonna lie yeah well i'm a diehard geordie so yeah i I can't believe i just said that myself but credit credit where credit's due definitely in terms of like you guys sort of taking it back to, to 1080 trees where can people find your stuff for a start it's 1080 trees how it's written so it's not the numbers it's the words and if you just type that in pretty much anywhere i think we've stumbled upon quite a unique name Thank God. It'll normally come up because we're on all your good social media sites. We're on your Facebooks and your, yeah, should I say the Facebook? The like Facebook. A, like a proper dad rock. Obviously. Guy. Dad rock guy, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter. It's not called Twitter anymore. Yeah, we I'm, don't, we're not we going to call it. We're not going to call it the new thing. No. It's Twitter. We're on Twitter. Threads. That's a new one. We're on that. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. not on Threads. Oh, you're not? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, strugg- I'm struggling with it. I'm really struggling with it. Don't get us wrong. I will get there. TikTok. We're on TikTok. We are on YouTube. Okay, Spotify, is that? Spotify. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So the streaming services as well. The important bit, the music. Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, because we get a lot more money from Bandcamp if people do enjoy the music enough to, to actually own it. Do you remember when it was just MySpace? Yeah. It was awful. I mean, I love MySpace. I love MySpace, but at the same time, I could never get me, me head around like doing all the coding in it and stuff. Oh, no, I yeah. didn't do it. I got other people to do yeah, it. Yeah, same. Yeah. I, 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 I want this. I'm still very grateful to the people that did it, and I must have annoyed them something <laughs> rotten. The amount of times I went, God, I just need to change the song in it, or can you change the background to this, or whatever. And then Bebo. Was that Bebo, you... yeah, Pixo, Pixar, oh. Pixar. No, Pi- I never heard that one. Pic- no. Pic- it was Pixomic. I can't remember what it was, but that was a that was an interesting one. But it was them three then. Yeah, that was it. And no, no more. No. Thing, things have moved on <laughs> yeah. since then. I, I absolutely have. I, I'm nostalgic for MySpace, but for different reasons to actually being on MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just it was a nicer time. Simpler it was. Time. It was a simpler time, yeah. The Foo Fighters were not dad rock at that point. No, they were still releasing pretty good music <laughs> at that point. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I mean, look, if, if Dave Grohl is listening to this... We're in the money. We're in the absolute <laughs> money if Dave Grohl is listening to this. Even if he slanders yeah. the podcast, it's like Even people know who we it. are. So live gigs, what's, what's going on next? So we've got a big headliner at Xerox uh, in Newcastle down on the quayside. And we're doing that on the 7th of October. Uh, which we're really excited for. Uh, we've still got supports to announce for that, but I'd recommend getting your tickets now because it would just make me happy. And around that time, we'll, we haven't announced this yet, but we're going to do a little tour. So we've got a new single coming out in October and we're going to do a tour around that, which we're very excited for. 
Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. live gig that you've been to it could be in the northeast it could be elsewhere but just who was it when was it what made it so amazing oh see whilst i was scrunning my sausage roll this morning on the way here i made some notes about this excellent because <laughs> i'm that sad oh, i'm no. so super prepared i, for I this. always appreciate someone who's prepared <laughs> um so best gigs in the northeast i actually struggled for this you know because i, I think i've just been to so many they've all kind of just blended into one and yeah it was it was it was quite difficult with the northeast ones but a standout for me and this is this is really showing my age here evolution festival 20 2011 oh wow okay yeah and it was the headliner that night which was enda shikari nice. which changed my life i'm gonna go as far as to say that because before i saw enda shikari at evolution festival i hated them I thought they were terrible. I thought they were such a cringe. I agree. And I had the same thing. I What, the same experience as I did? I hated End Chicago. Yeah. I thought they were terrible. Everyone in my school was obsessed with them and was listening and playing. Yeah. And I was like, this is shit. This is so shit. And we went, me and my best friend went to Project Revolution. Um, the Linkin Park the thing Lincoln that they Park did. The Park. Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes Bowl. And Enter Shikari support was one of the... And it was... Because it was like, Jay-Z was the support. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> like, it, it just blows my mind. Um, but Enter Shikari were on, like... Because it was like a whole day event. Mm-hmm. And they were on, you know, like two in the afternoon. And at two in the afternoon, they absolutely killed it. And both me and Fran were like, is this the same band that, like, we both did not like? Because, mm-hmm. and they were so good. Yeah. yeah. Th- this is the thing. I feel like if you see Enter Shikari live, there's no turning back. You are a fan for life. And I've been desperately trying to get my partner to go and see them with us. And she refuses. Because she, like we were, yeah. d- despises them <laughs> with a passion. And I'm like, who hurt you? Who Who's hurt you so much to dislike them this much? But then I have to remember I was the same. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's yet to have that experience. And yeah. Luckily, we were a lot younger when we yeah. had that life-changing experience of seeing Ent Shikari. So, Ent Shikari Evolution Festival 2011. I remember, I think I was having a pretty bad day up until that point. Wasn't having a lot of fun. And then Ent Shikari came on and it was just like, oh, thank God for that. This is so much better than everything else I've seen today. It was like a breath of fresh air. And I've seen them better since because I think like the sound was really quiet because it was on the quayside. There's flats down there. There's people going, meh, meh, meh but I think the energy was just so tangible as I've come to expect now of an Ed Shikari gig that it just absolutely blew me away and it was like I knew the songs still even though I didn't like them it's like I sorry you're not a winner yeah uh juggernaut yeah everything anything can happen in the next half an hour brilliant and I'm really glad I saw them then because they don't play a lot of the tunes that they did then now and I'm really grateful for that experience like seeing like the jester and the zonked they might have even done Johnny Sniper, you know. But yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, another one in the Northeast, which is a more recent one, which felt like a very watershed moment, I feel, for just the region in general. And I could have I went for this, this person's 
probably what more people would see as their definitive watershed moment. I went for a more low-key one, which for me felt like a bigger moment as they were on the rise, which was when Sam Fender I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I did a building up too much there. Yeah. When Sam Fender played Newcastle Academy in 2020, I think he did four nights. And I can't remember what night. He did something crazy like that. Which for a man of his fragile vocal cords uh, is quite a lot. Yeah, no offence, Sam. I think you're brilliant. Uh, Again, if he's listening, then. I see you. Yeah, come on, Sam. Yeah, (laughs) slag me off. Come on. I can't remember which night in that run it was, but it just felt really special. He's a bit younger than me and the other lads in the band are, but he can't help but be dead inspired by that. Like seeing somebody from the area, granted playing very different music, just absolutely killing it on like an international level. I was at his gig at St. James's Park earlier this year, but I still think for me, that time at the O2 Academy was just brilliant. And he, he finished on uh, Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen as well. And He is the North East of Bruce Springsteen. <sighs> he is, yeah. He's, I call it Boss Wave, because I feel like there's a few bands who do that kind of stuff now. It's, I think The Killers started it. Oh, with absolutely. Sam's Town. Yeah. Yeah, which is one of my all-time favourite albums. Again, a, a back-to-back start-to-finish perfect album, yeah. Sam's Town. It's better than Hot Fuss. A lot of people would disagree with me on that, but... This is my take. It hasn't got like the big singles on, no. but it's a brilliant album. Start and Bones. To finish. And Bones, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read My Mind, Uncle Johnny, class album. It's Sam Fender at the O2 Academy, which is no longer the O2 Academy as well, which in itself is like quite a nostalgic thing, given that it was only three years ago. That's mad. Really, really happy memories of that. And if we were to go outside of the Northeast, this is where it gets very interesting. <laughs> okay. 2007, Edinburgh Meadowbank Stadium. First time ever seeing this band, the Foo Fighters. I was. I'm not, actually. I'm not going to tell you my age then, because that would mean you'd know how old then I we am can now. Work it yeah. out. No, not doing that. No, no. You'll realize how old I am. I mean, I've already probably established how old I am, but you know. So Foo Fighters in Edinburgh. The support band to this day still blows my mind because it was Nine Inch Nails. No. Yeah, you see, this is the response no I get. Way. This is the response I get from everyone whenever I tell them that they go, "That cannot be true." And it's like it absolutely is. Look it up. That's yeah. unbelievable. I love it. It was insane. Like, and the, even the band on before Nine Inch Nails was Silver Sun Pickups. If you remember them. Right. I know them. It's fine. The the sounded very Smashing Pumpkins. Right. So for me, it was just a brilliant lineup. It was like new new version Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails, and Foo Fighters. Class, unbelievable. Oh but the the set list itself, it was just before they released the Pretender, or they may have okay. just released the Pretender, and I think they played it second from last, and it was like, whoa, this is this is big for the this is going to change the game for the Foo Fighters. Like they're already a big band. But this is like next level big. This is like cementing your status as like one of the greatest stadium rock bands of all time. Probably the greatest dad rock band of all time. And Nine Inch Nails just... Oh, That's what, unbelievable. What, the, what is it to say about Nine Inch Nails? They're just unbelievable bands. I've never, I never see, saw them. No, are you a big fan though? I really like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I really like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. And it was my dad's first experience to Nine Inch Nails. I wanted to shout out my mum and dad as well because these gigs I'm about to talk about now, my mum and dad would take us to when I was younger. The parents who took, like, my dad used to, he took me to a Fall Out Boy gig. Yeah. And well, he this stood the at the back with I've, all the I've other noticed, dads. I've noticed that in the podcast, like, you talking about your parents taking you to gigs, and I'm like, I can totally appreciate that because it was great because my parents did the same for me. And it was so important to like my upbringing and yeah. it would be what I would like to do with my kids eventually. I want to go and take them to see Sam Fender in 20 years time. Another one was Muse at Wembley 2007. 
where the support bands were My Chemical Romance and Biffy Clyro. That's a, that is a good day. In, insane. That like, is... I know I'm cheating here a little bit because I'm just picking wicked lineups yeah. instead of, like, one one band. But it was just unbelievable. Like, it was like seeing my three favourite bands at that time in the same place. Yeah, the the ticket price was, like, really cheap as well. I hate looking at old ticket stubs, but I keep on finding this Muse one, and it was, like, 35 quid. That's For a gig at Wembley, unheard of. Probably because you didn't need that much security back then, I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot more health and safety in place now. And I think finally, me me last one, I promise. I realise I'm going on a bit here, I've run on a bit of tangent. Uh, Glastonbury Festival 2014, Metallica. I've I've picked like three bands, Foo Fighters, Muse, Metallica here, where they kind of speak for themselves a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. Everything's that's been said about them has already been said what was so surprising about it was i'd seen them at newcastle arena when i was about 16 maybe uh, with machine head supporting you're about to say you were there aren't you no i no. mean <laughs> i thought that was the look of like oh, i was there no i mean i'm just metallica at newcastle arena <laughs> they've done it a few times no way yeah yeah, yeah. but it, i i was i've only I lived in the northeast for like five for like six years ah uh, okay yeah so, fair this was i'm going back to like uh, 20 2010 maybe it was no nah, maybe earlier it was like okay. the death magnetic tour but yeah I, I wasn't that impressed when i saw them there yeah because they had the, the love doing that thing with the stage in the middle of the uh, arena instead of like at the back oh yeah no, and that does not appeal to me no. unfortunately i know it, like it's it's great for some people but yeah it's not my bag the sound in the arena is a bit iffy from time to time not my favorite arenas Sorry, I'm still going to call it the Metro Radio Arena. Oh, everybody does. Yeah, it is. It will be forever. Forever. Glastonbury Festival. So I wasn't going to go and see them. I was going to go and see Brian Ferry instead. I know. (laughs) Sorry. No, 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 I know. Yeah, I'll have to make sure my mum's not listening here because she is the biggest Roxy Music fan on the planet. She loves Brian Ferry. Every opportunity she gets, she goes to see him. And like, I, I like Brian Ferry. I dig him. I think he's pretty... He's got some good tunes. We had to walk past the pyramid stage to get to where Brian Ferry was playing. All I heard was, and I was like, ah, I'm not leaving here. I'm staying here for the foreseeable. And I was like, with loads of my mates who weren't Metallica fans as well, the more like indie kids or whatever. And all of us just had the best time like watching Metallica. It was just such a, just great vibes. And I think they'd been slagged off quite a lot, like proper slandered in, in the lead up to Glastonbury Festival because they like, oh, don't have metal at Glastonbury. They just absolutely killed it. The crowd was actually really big for them. Yeah, I think a lot of people had went just to see how it went. I've only ever seen Metallica at festivals. Right. So we saw them at the now defunct Sonosphere Festival. Oh, that's a in, shame that that's not Which was brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, it was I've so- seen the lineup posters, yeah. So we went the year that it was the big four. Yeah. And then we'd been the year before we're in a Lion Maiden and Ramstein. But the year that it was Metallica was obviously at the top. And... I didn't know a lot of Metallica songs at that point, so that would have been 2011, I think. And I didn't, because I've I'd been a very, like, emo kid, didn't yeah. really listen to a lot of metal. I think the mm. most metal I listened was, like, Bullet For My Valentine. It's pretty metal still, yeah. Yeah, but it was very much, like, that was the cusp. And then... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's emo-tinged metal. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, like, yes, yeah, so it was, like, Metallica and... Um, I'm trying to think who else was on. Like the big four. Yeah, so there like was a big four. Megadeth, Megadeth, Slayer, Slayer. Anthrax. Oh, th- yes, it must anthrax, have been Anthrax. Yeah, yeah. But That's it, a lot of thrash metal, was, that, by the way. It was Dear a lot me. of thrash metal. <laughs> and me and my friend were both a bit like, oh, so we don't really know what this is going to be like. And we loved it. I mean, 
not all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm still not entirely sold on Anthrax to this day. No, yeah, like it's definitely the big four that goes. Well, for me personally, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax in that order. I think. And even I mean, I think Slayer. I think Slayer and Megadeth are interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. But we saw Metallica, and I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Like, not I knew like two songs, and that was it. And I said, but no, this is amazing. And then we saw them at Download, like just mm-hmm. like a couple of months ago. Yeah. And again, I only went on the weekend. I didn't see the Thursday night set. Mm-hmm. And I remember arriving on Friday night at like midnight going, right, what songs did they play? Which one, have they played this? Have they yeah. played? And so I was yeah. like, that's fine, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And they were so good. And I, and you know, because they're not, they're not young men anymore. They are not young men, no. They're... And we've seen a few bands that are like older mm. and it's been like, oh God, you can't really sing anymore, can oh, you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Metallica, James Hetfield can still kill it. Yeah, he's got that like just like growl to yeah. his voice, and it it a lot of people for that that gets a bit kind of hoarse or a bit kind of strained. Yeah. For him, I don't know how he's doing it. It's, it's like still so good. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks like the Colonel from uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken now. <laughs> or the or the lion from Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, whichever one you want. But <laughs> he really does got it. Colonel from KFC. Dear me. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm but totally derailed. You've... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about James Peckfield as the colonel now for the rest of the day. Now we'll look at a Kentucky Fried Chicken sign again. And, and like, it, it goes to show when you go and see... I, I think Guns N' Roses suck now. I'm sorry if you don't. They really suck now. And they have sucked I've for so long. I've never been a massive fan of Guns N' Roses. So you well, can say whatever you want, really. Yeah, I think, I think they've got some brilliant songs. I think, like, The Greatest Hits... <laughs> the Greatest Hits is the best album. Um... <laughs> I do wonder, were they ever good live? I mean, because... I've never actually seen them live. I've so I saw them seen. in 2000, 2003 or 2004 on the, on the Chinese Democracy tour before, and then they released Chinese Democracy like five years later. They came on stage an hour and a half late. Yeah. And it's just Axl Rose. It's not the rest of them. It kind of, it kind of put me off going to gigs for a long time, I'm not going to lie, because I was... I must have been 11. Oh, no. No. Uh, <laughs> I've done it now. I think I was like 11 at the time. And that was really rough for an 11-year-old to... I think I stayed up like past midnight watching like rock music. And it was really good, but I, I like my sleep. I love bands that don't do encores. Uh, yeah. Don't I'd... waste time. Just finish the set. Yeah. And then we can get the train home. Ooh, I, I saw, when I saw Paul the other week, they did two encores. I was like, come on, guys. We're a, we're a long way from home right now, but it was still really good. Yeah, I let them off, but I, I do feel like the encore is a is a dying art, and I'm glad it's dying out a bit. I see less and less bands doing an encore. Yeah, yeah. We, people were shouting for another song off us last night. I was like, no. But we played them all. We're done. We hadn't, but it was like, leave them begging for more. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll come to the next gig. <laughs> um, sorry to anyone who wanted another song last night <laughs> but no I, I agree like I, I like it when things run on time if you play an over an hour and a half you have to make that extra half an hour that you're going to do up to two hours really stand out for me I don't think there's anyone I'd want to listen to three hours worth of the music not even mine I wouldn't want to listen to three hours of my own music you know that's rough it's really rough you know you want a bit of a uh, variety spice life in there come on can you think of anyone Sai and I have had this conversation that like both of us we don't really like listening to albums <gasps> we prefer... okay right whoa whoa like... okay I'm out right I'm gone <laughs> me leaving I'm out of here <laughs> no like I <laughs> I'm mean, old school <laughs> we will still listen to, but like I mainly do because 
even back in the day when I used to make like burn my own CDs, Love it. they would always be mixed CDs. Mm. Always be yeah. diff and different artists. Hey dad, I've made a CD for your car. Literally. Because that was <laughs> that's all I I had a CD player in my car up until twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Because I had this old Renault Clio that just had a CD player in it. Mm. And so I would burn CDs off my oh, computer. Yeah. It's it's open it was only recently that I stopped having a CD player in my in my automobile, yeah. Or oh, I've drive a van now, yeah. Classic but there's dad. Classic, oh, super dad. Hang on, what was the question? I, I lost track. I don't know. We started talking about camper vans there. I've absolutely lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> CDs in cars. Yes. Yes, burning CDs in the cars. Yeah, it's a, it's a lost art, I feel now, because people have Spotify and they don't understand. You don't understand the joy of going to buy, like, a pack of 50 CDs or whatever and just burning a load of CD, like, loads of tracks yeah. onto a CD. It was a good... Uh, really good time, yeah. That's, yeah that is the original... Got really, really hot. Oh, yeah. You could leave it for like an hour to yeah. cool down. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it's the original playlist. And you could give them to people. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why... Mixtape, yeah. yeah. This is a little bit of me that I'm giving to you right now. You might like it. You might not. If you don't like it, we're probably not going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't like the first side of... Uh, Three Cheers Sweet Revenge. We're not going to be friends. Yeah. God, I couldn't think of the name of that album. There <laughs> had absolute brain fog. That's bad. That it's been. It's been a. It's been a late night for you. I can stay up late going into a into a, a YouTube black hole or whatever. But it's uh, it's doing that forty minutes on stage. Oof and trillions, right? I love trillions. I think it's such a such nostalgia vibes when you go in there they've got like the the motorhead signs and the trooper beer sign above the stage but the lights are hot it's like being in a sunbed or or like just under the microscope it's so hot on that stage and it was like the the just everyone getting off stage last night was like yeah it's really good before really hot up there man really hot up there i was like well i'm glad we're not wearing the boiler seats tonight Thank you so much for chatting to us. I feel like we've went on off on a few tangents, yeah. And I hope you've got enough enough content. You probably have. <laughs> to last for years. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been so great chatting to you. I mean, yeah, so check out 1080 Trees. Yeah. Gig on the 7th of October, uh, Xerox Newcastle, yeah. If you're in the area, please come down. Well, you heard the man. Check out 1080 Trees online or in real life and on the Moshpet Mishmash playlist.